Welcome to Waste Not and Feed the Need, the podcast of Loaves and Fishes Family Kitchen. My name is Lauren Compatello, and I'm the program advocacy lead here at Loaves and Fishes. Hi there, my name is David Hott, the hippie with short hair. At present, the director of programs here at Loaves and Fishes. This is the place that we get to have conversations about food recovery, community building, communication, collaboration, and just regular conversations with the people that help to support the activities that we're all doing to help feed the need here in California and beyond. Thank you for joining us today, and I hope that you enjoy our show. In episode 21, we had a conversation with Jonathan Jump, who is the Vice President of Operations at Project Open Hand. And we really loved having this conversation with Jonathan. We loved learning about the history of Project Open Hand. And I know something that really stuck out to me in having this conversation is just how well Project Open Hand caters to the needs of those that they serve. And in speaking with Jonathan, it's very clear that the meals that um, Project Open Hand provides to their guests are made with love and consideration and care. And so it was really an honor having this conversation with Jonathan. I hope that you all enjoy this episode. And please don't forget to check the bio of this episode for more information about Project Open Hand. I am one of your co-hosts today. Uh, again, welcome to Waste Not and Feed the Need, the podcast of Logan Family Kitchen. David? I just got a point, so that means I have to say <laughs> something. My name is David Hott, uh, Director of Programs for Loaves and Fishes, and I'm happy to announce that soon to become this Chief Executive Officer for this wonderful organization that I've been so lucky to be part of since uh, you know, I've been now five years. Uh, which has gone so wonderfully, and I'm so excited about the opportunity uh, that's ahead of us and uh, me. Um, again, I always say it to everybody out there, I'm the hippie with short hair from Cupertino, California. Really looking forward to having a conversation with another thought leader doing some wonderful work. So hello, everyone, wherever you are, whether it be morning, evening, or afternoon. Hi. <laughs> All right, awesome. So um, today on the show, we have Jonathan John. Um, who is the Vice President of Operations of Project Open Hand. Hi, Jonathan. Hello, how are you? Doing well. Thanks for being here. Fantastic. I'm so happy to be here. And congratulations, David, on your new role. It's exciting, uh, exciting and, and, and probably a little scary, but I'm sure you're up to the task. Thank you so much. And I just want to share, this is the first time I've announced it to the ether. So oh, interesting. Great. I'm I'm happy to be part of your <laughs> announcement. Fantastic. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Awesome. So um, why don't we just jump into introductions? Jonathan, if you want to just introduce yourself and um, your organization, and we'll kind of go from there. Indeed. Yes. Well, again, my name is Jonathan Jump, Vice President of Operations here at Project Open Hand in San Francisco. We are in the heart of the Tenderloin in San Francisco. We also have a smaller office in uh, Oakland on San Pablo Avenue. And uh, 
Uh, we are we are an organization that does medically tailored food for people that need it. Uh, so what that means for us and uh, the the way that we were born was that there was a, a woman named Ruth Brinker who in the, the mid 80s in here in San Francisco saw her friends and colleagues and people that she didn't that she didn't even know uh, wasting away from AIDS and HIV in San Francisco. And she herself was a former food service worker in a bunch of different uh, in a bunch of different ways. And she saw that people were not necessarily dying of any particular thing at the time. So much was unknown about HIV and AIDS when it first came out in the mid 80s, of course. But um, but she saw that people were just dying of malnutrition and people and and a lack of care, just general care. So she and friends of hers and family members all got together in their own kitchens and started making food and distributing it to uh, those dealing with HIV and AIDS in the, in the 80s. And really Project Open Hand was born from that just uh, altruistic need for uh, need for, for what was going on in the community and what uh, needed to happen to really uh, just give people basic care like having food. So again, so much was unknown about the epidemic at that point. So, so uh, an incredible woman, an incredible legacy to our organization. And that's kind of where it all started. And uh, then through the years, we've kind of evolved into an organization that still does a lot of work with the uh, AIDS community in uh, both San Francisco and in the East Bay. But uh, we've also branched out into doing uh, medically tailored food for cancer, diabetes, heart disease, uh, end stage uh, renal failure. So there's a whole number of ways that people can get in that uh, people can benefit from uh, Project Open Hand these days. That is so uh, awesome. I love that. I love that story, and you say it so well. Um, and what a wonderful origin story to be able to steward the work that was done before us. As, as with me, we're able to steward the work that someone so painstakingly did to help to support those that we helped to support. And I also think it's wonderful that we have similarities as it relates to we, we help to feed those that may not otherwise be able to receive the resources that we're able to provide. Um, so that's awesome. Yay! That's just Indeed. wonderful. Indeed, it's it. I've been here about a little over five years, so I've been in the nonprofit, uh, nonprofit fundraising and organizing and operations my whole career. But I've uh, been here about five years and just fantastic organization that with really dedicated people. Some of uh, we actually just had a cook, a line cook here for us. That uh, Wednesday was his last day here. And he had worked here for 34 years, had actually worked with Ruth Brinker, our founder, when the whole organization just started. And uh, again, have uh, people throughout the organization, uh, he had been here the longest, 34 years. We've got other people that have been here well over 20 years, uh, lots of people that have been here for for in the teens of years. So it's a it's a really, really heartfelt uh 
mission and the people doing the work here are just absolutely incredible, like absolutely dedicated to the work and uh, a wonderful group of folks to work with. That's awesome. Wow. And we share the same, I, yeah. mean, I think you would agree, Lauren, we share the same yeah. heartfelt <laughs> connection to the work that all of us do yeah. and our team, you know, our, any, any of you, the hearts are as big as their bodies, if not larger. And, uh, you know, we get, I, I always say this and, and I mean it for my soul, I get capital G-E-T to do what we do. And it's, it's, it's an honor and a privilege and sometimes hard, <laughs> right? However, um, you know, I get to do what I love and, and, and I, I don't want to, I, I, yes, I do. What drew you to the work? Like, what, what was it that brought you to this beautiful place that now you call the place that you work at? Great question. I actually moved here in 2000 and and did uh, work at the uh, San Francisco AIDS Foundation for over a dozen years. Then uh, worked in fundraising for a international children's education uh, organization that is absolutely amazing um, and was interesting to do work, global work. But when the position at Project Open Hand came available and, and was introduced to me, um, there's something about doing local work. There's something about do about literally feeding friends and neighbors that you see and handing someone um, something that's so essential to their day to day, like food. The the appreciation, I think it, it's just my connection to the work. It's not uh, a value judgment on what's on what work is is better, but it's really just my connection to the work was so was elevated when I came kind of back to doing something that was very locally based. Um, that we're that you're actually getting to see and hand someone something as basic as medically tailored, as food that is nutritious for them to eat. And the food recovery programs and the, all the different, all the ways in which all of our organizations work together to just literally feed the need is fantastic work and kind of never ending, sadly, in some ways where it's kind of never ending, where it seems like... It's just you're so right. You're so right. Yeah. It's my app. It's more I'm relating because you're right. There's so much to be done, and there's so much effort that's actually happening that not everyone knows about. Right. Indeed. So I, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to interject. I just, as I told you before we started, I get excited and then stuff just starts flowing out of my mouth. Oh, indeed, <laughs> indeed. Yes, I love the conversation. Uh, that yeah, it's it's and it really takes all of us. It's not a matter of any any one organization being able to to fulfill all needs, but all of us kind of working together and are in a little bit of a niche and to have a little bit of an overlap just so that there is a safety net. There's a safety net for the clients that we're serving, for the communities that we're serving, and even as organizations where sometimes things get a little harder or sometimes budgets get a little constrained. And so to have a little bit of an overlap is actually a good thing in terms of, of how we all work together so that there's a bit of a safety net if, if there's a if a, if there's a challenge from one organization, it's it's easier for another organization to kind of pick up where where that work le leaves off. So, 
truly doing that kind of, and where I, I live in the mission and work in the Tenderloin. So it's a very colorful commute. It's a very, uh, it's an amazing, both, uh, both neighborhoods are so rich in terms of of cultural diversity and and uh ways to to be involved in in those uh in those neighborhoods and that community that i i really feel like a san franciscan even though i grew up in ohio and uh and uh and didn't didn't come to california until i was you know in my 30s so uh but i really feel like a like a san franciscan in terms of of uh uh, kind of digging in and getting to do the work and and being around people that uh, really really are affected by what we do. And you know, as we contribute to those that need what we are so lucky to be able to provide, I think that just provides an opportunity for us to become California and to become San Franciscan and to become someone from like it's the village that we're trying to help to take care of, and it's been that way since the beginning of time, right? And what I always hope is that as our energies connect and, and we, we overlap in our effort, we're not competing. Actually, we're trying to enhance the effort as, as organizations doing similar work. How can we do it better so we can lift everyone up? Right. Exactly. I, right. And I know you can't see it in the ether and you can't see it either, but I have goosebumps. Like, because that's, that's how I feel. Like, and I and, and so anywho, I know that this isn't the David show. However, I just get so moved when I think about how we, you, I, we, all of us, can be so focused on all that goes around and goes along in life and forget that, hey, wait a minute. If if we go back to the basics, there are people that need what we have. Yeah. What can we do Indeed. to get it to them? Indeed, yeah. exactly right. Exactly right. And it's a fantastic way for organizations to be really be able to um, kind of elevate and and uh, exponentially uh, create that ripple that they maybe can't do themselves. For instance, we work very closely with the Alameda County um, Food Bank and the San Francisco Marin Food Bank in the we are we are recipients of that uh, mostly produce and other kind of healthy things that they've got in their pantries that we can give out from a nutritional guideline perspective. They they give to us. We give to we give to others. We're I think one of their largest clients in both counties, where we can really exponentially. Um, allow the the good that they are doing to be given out to clients and and things like that again the 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 kind of special sauce that there is at project open hand that you've heard that you've heard me say a couple of of medically tailored and nutritional guidelines and things like that that happen here that um are specific to us is that um people are are kind of referred in based on their healthcare needs. And so wow. even even if it's as 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 uh, kind of routine maybe uh, these days as diabetes, heart disease, uh, things like that, there's thousands and thousands of people that have special dietary needs that come along with those conditions that we really tailor all of the work that we do through registered dietitians. We've got a whole team of registered dietitians on staff that actually 
allow or don't allow, depending on the, depending on the <laughs> ingredient, uh, for uh, for for what can be ingredients in our food. And so, yeah, yeah that's awesome. I'm yeah. jealous. I'm jealous. It's, we are we are able to. We have some wonderful uh, relationships that we're able to, uh, and pro bono receive wonderful um, guidance and consult about our meals that we tailor, not to the extent that your organization does. However, if it's, you know, in some of the guests that we serve, it's the one nutritional meal that they get in that day. Indeed. We want to make as much nutritional value into that meal as possible. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. It's and for all of our organizations to work together to get things like prices down on nutritional on on nutritious food rather than yeah. everything that's bad for you being extremely cheap so of course it goes hand in hand for people that can't afford to to buy organic homegrown you know produce and and um you know uh, and organic meats and things like that for us to all work together as a community and really create some uh, create some ways to gain at for these folks to gain access to things that they just wouldn't have access to otherwise and for them to be able to have at least one meal a day that's absolutely nutritious there's nothing in it that they that they have to worry about that there's nothing that they that they can't um that they can't be excited about eating and um that they can uh, none of the none of the work that we do at project open hand is paid by clients everything is completely free to clients um funded by both because we are in it and through government organizations and other kinds of corporate sponsorships and, and grants and things like that. But the work is so, as you know, is so expensive because food costs have gone up so much and the complexity of just the, the way in which we have to get food. Of course, COVID complicated everything on the planet. So that, of course, absolutely happened for for people that are procuring uh nutritious foods for or just food in general so it's it's a it's a complicated web uh that we that we work in but when we all work together and when we we really kind of create priorities that that make sense across the board it's a it's it's all boats rise exactly exactly and i lauren i I apologize. No, no, I'm, I'm going to defer to oh. you again. It's, <laughs> okay. it's back to you. Laura. Yeah, as you can tell, I talk quite a bit. So <laughs> I, um, no, but I'm loving this conversation. I, I love everything that you said. And I also really love what you said earlier just about um, that act of, you know, being in the field and, you know, giving the meals out and that experience, you know, previous to my role now, I was a um, driver ambassador, so I was helping to deliver to about 135 locations. And, you know, every day, just that act of being out in the field and giving and seeing the faces that we feed is really impactful. And, and, and it's that's true. Yeah, you and can tell when people, are, when people say thank you when you hand them food. You can tell that it's, a, it's not someone just being polite. They are, they are actually thankful for having a meal. They're actually thankful for getting nutritious groceries or to have things brought to them or even to have the opportunity to come into 
the the our offices both here in our kind of flagship in the tenderloin and then also in oakland in that we kind of meet clients wherever they wherever they are so there could be people that are so sick that can't leave their homes and we'll bring them their food even if it's daily we will bring them whatever food they need if they don't have a way of either keeping something uh, frozen, then we'll take it to them several times a week so that they don't have to worry about freezer space and things like that. So there's everything from that to people that can come into uh, our facility in San Francisco or in Oakland and pick up frozen meals. They can pick up groceries. They can, uh, depending upon what uh, what there's, is tailored for their needs, they can see on-site uh, RDs, at registered, registered dietitians, and get um, kind of counseling that way. So if they don't actually, sometimes some of the things that come through as kind of nutritious <laughs> produce or, or good they might be like, I don't know what to do with a dried lentil. Like, this is very nice that you've given it to me, but I'm not quite sure what I'm supposed to do with this. They don't taste great when you just try and eat them out of the bag. So uh, what am I supposed to do with this? And so, again, our, our nutrition services team can actually show people recipes. We do demos on site. We can show people what they can do with the food and produce that they're actually receiving, either at home or by coming into the facility. Um, if people live, where our our, um, our our target area has grown a little bit from just being San Francisco or just being Oakland in the East Bay, we've we've expanded, and so especially in the East Bay, that gets pretty uh, far away. So there are even opportunities that we will over overnight uh, frozen meals, a week's worth of frozen meals to someone through a shipping program. Another kind of cool thing that happened kind of because of COVID and kind of because it just needed to. Um, so it's, it's you know, we have all these programs that kind of meet people wherever they're at. We also want them if at some point they don't need to be on our services anymore, we want them to have learned something. We want them when they're then shopping at their whether it's their corner bodega or Safeway or Whole Foods, we want them to know what to choose. We want them to say, oh, I never knew, I didn't know what an eggplant was previously, but I know that I could I could do more of my shopping in the produce aisle rather than in the Doritos aisle, whatever, you know, whatever those things are that we want them to take something away from their experience with us so that they can uh, kind of make some different choices. Yeah. And you know, because, and I have to say it, I have yeah, to, I have yeah. to, loaves and fishes, right? Right. I mean, we, we're non-denominational and comes from a parable. You can either feed a person for a day or teach them to fish, right? Indeed. And 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 I love that that's baked into the mission and philosophy that both of our organizations have, right? Because we look to in the future, we're building this huge kitchen that's in my background, the people can't see it, but look, you can see that's a kitchen that we're building just up the hall that we're one day going to have a culinary institute in. So we can teach those, those guests that may want to learn those skills in a place that looks like that, that they can go out and have transfer or help them with, you know, building resume and get experience. 
and then they can go out and help to do it in the field and, and become culinary professionals, right? So I, I think it's wonderful, one, that we're, again, we're doing this uh, similar work, and we're also trying to focus on how do we enable uh, individuals to who can and want to learn skills that they can use even beyond our services. And I, I find that that's so heartwarming. That is so wonderful. Indeed. Indeed. Yes. yes, I'm very jealous about your new kitchen. I indeed, yes, I'd love to. I want to come in. Uh, I want to come and tour and get to. Although the the jealousy, the jealousy just goes off the charts when I see these. Uh, when I see organizations with brand new kitchens, our our kitchen is not brand new. However, we did receive um, over a million dollars in funding just recently from um, from government appropriations to uh, to improve a bunch of our infrastructure. We're a little unique, and that um, and it sounds like you do too. That in terms of nonprofits that actually own the facilities that they're that they're in. So as you know, that takes a whole other branch of an organization to keep facilities that you're not just calling the landlord to get something fixed and you're not and you're not uh, we are the landlord. You are right. So uh so always kind of trying to think into the future and what the kind of uh what the what the new gizmos are that are going to make things uh easier for us to to make exponentially more food and to have uh you know uh a fleet of vehicles that aren't that are that aren't as old that uh and so repairs and and uh, and renovations are always kind of part of of what we do. But it, I think you you know that uh, you know that as well. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely do. And you're you're absolutely right. And and coming from an operations background, that's been my area of responsibility. Do we put the money into the vehicle, or do we have to look to find funding to purchase a new vehicle? Is Indeed. is is does it make economic sense to put? $3,000 into a vehicle that has 250,000 miles on it, right? So, you know, what's neat is I've been in the, the granular details and, you know, the kitchens that we, we operate out of now are 35 to 40 miles away from where we're at. Mm-hmm. And we serve all the way up through San Mateo, Santa Clara County, and we go into San Francisco um, to receive donation items. So, Gosh, these are the details that some folks, you know, they just don't know. They don't know what they don't know, right? right. And you're right. We're lucky, right? We're very fortunate. Um, John Sobrato and his foundation and many other funders that have been so kind to us, the city of San Jose, county of Santa Clara, at all. Like, we are so fortunate that we've been able to do what we're doing and we continue to do and we want to continue to do the work, right? Indeed. And it sounds like, it sounds like you're, you know, the spirit of what you share, forget about the numbers to me. I don't care about numbers per se. Of course, if I'm at a board meeting, I'm going to promote, I'm going to tell them what the numbers are. <laughs> Indeed. We have to know our audience. Yeah, that's right. And, and I am doing this work because I want to help provide meals to those that may not otherwise be able to have those. There is something that occurs inside my soul that when I'm able to provide food to someone who gets that look like you talked about earlier there's not i'm i'm addicted to it like i i just like who made this like how did this happen to me how am i able to be part of this in this exchange this human exchange forget about background forget about 
everything, let's just be two human beings. And here's a plate of food, right? Indeed. Indeed. And to be on and to be on the the giving side of that equation. And to it, yep. what a privilege it is to be on the giving side of that equation because there's there's so many life circumstances that can reverse that so quickly for people that it's yep. it's real especially in in expensive uh places to live like like San Francisco in the Bay Area it is so quick to, you can go from from being able to give to others to being to to really needing help from from someone else and so that yeah. uh you know depending on your family situation depending on your job situation depending on the on whether or not there's a worldwide pandemic and that things happen that just completely out of people's control so to to really be grateful for the for the fact that that you can be on the giving side of that equation is really just such a privilege such an honor agreed agreed yeah yeah absolutely no I no I'm I'm just oh. like I'm really enjoying <laughs> I know, the conversation I and I want I love that you're doing that you're uh that you're building and and uh and thinking about the future in terms of a culinary institute and for really um for really having that kind of uh we try and work with the again covid kind of kind of put a little bit of a pause on some programs but we try and work with culinary programs and 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 organizations like that that are teaching even teaching cooks to cook in terms of 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 being able to take on apprentices or uh, on line level cooks and to really have um, a, a, an open door policy in terms of who comes into the organization. We have many staff members that had, at some point were clients of Project Open Hand and learned about us as an organization because they were clients and are now uh thriving as as and are kind of the backbone of the organization in terms of being committed for very uh specific reasons in terms of of what it did to their lives and truly we are so lucky to have those to have people like that that come into the organization because again they have a a level of understanding and a level of dedication to the work that really is meaningful and um We've, you know, uh, the other the other huge piece of our organization is the volunteers that it takes to run an organization like this, and that the the vast numbers of uh, of daily volunteers that do everything from pack packaging the the food, um, running the line to to portion control for all of the food that gets packed and then frozen and into freezers before it gets distributed, taking frozen food and packing those into seven uh, seven packs so that people get uh, a whole week's worth of meals, uh, shopping, being personal shoppers for people in our grocery center so that uh, they just check off what they want on a list and a volunteer goes through and brings it all back to them in a, in a bag. Um, we have volunteer drivers. We have just the number of people that that it takes to run organizations like ours and yours, that it's just, it is humbling to know the number of people that are just willing to come in and do that work, even through COVID, even through, you know, even when everyone had to be six feet away from each other instead of, you know, shoulder to shoulder, they were in, uh, in, 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 uh, 
the philosophy was still shoulder to shoulder, even though we were six feet away from each other. We couldn't even bring in as many volunteers as, as we needed previous to that. So it's just been such an inspiration to see people that do the volunteerism. And their stories are so wide as well that they either had a, a parent or a family member or a friend that actually received the services and that's how they found out about us or their corporate group came in and did a, a corporate giving day and they just loved the work so much they wanted to do it there are people that used to be chefs for decades and they like i just want to keep my my hands in the kitchen it's like it's truly like a a corporate cornucopia of people that are are willing to come in and do the work and again we're just so grateful to have that uh, as part of part of the legacy that is uh, is is what we're doing i love cornucopia i always use the word mosaic and i love cornucopia um potpourri is another really cool <laughs> word right so i i think you know if, if we were to ask like how could if for the listeners, you know, how could they be part of helping to support your effort? What things can we say that would be helpful to you all, um, or as they say in plural, all y'all? Um, what what would you say they should do? What's it to do? Thank you for that. Thanks for that. We actually truly it's not even just a marketing it's not a marketing phrase we truly have something for everyone that if there are people that want to support the cause financially of course there is always someone in our fundraising department that is willing to cash a check that is willing to take a meeting for corporate sponsorships there is willing to uh, work with other organizations to sponsor and donate uh, all the way down to leaving leaving us in your will. Of course, there's always an opportunity for, for folks that have that altru altruistic kind of side to them from a financial perspective. But just as I was just talking about, like the number of volunteer uh, opportunities, we run seven days a week, 365 days a year. There is no no day, holiday, uh, weekend that there is not uh, teams of building teams of people in this building that have volunteers working alongside them. And so there is something for everyone. There are people that do everything from every day, five days a week. They, they Their volunteerism is a full-time job to once a week, once a month, once a quarter. Um, that if, if people can keep us in mind when they think about their corporate giving days, corporate volunteerism, we're happy to work with, uh, with organizations to kind of tailor something uh, that both meets the needs of organizations and of volunteerism. It's a really fun volunteer experience to get to come in and work with food or get to see the direct relationship that an organization has with clients. Again, all nonprofits have their have their version of volunteerism. I do think that our our version of volunteerism is both uh is is both meaningful and fun so we'll we'll give you a fun time if, if you come in and volunteer and then right so yeah there's there's truly something for everyone in terms of the way that the way that we uh are kind of living in the communities that is awesome and i as i've always said and will always say i'm a hippie with short hair from the beautiful state of california um you know i am so grateful that you were able to set aside some time um 
and and we're able to provide uh, just some just a look a, a small opportunity to look into the work that you're doing. I know that both of us, I can tell that both of us have the same spirit of the work that we do. And and I look forward to more conversations. You know, our kitchen hopefully will be open. You know, we're all, we're at the mercy of in a, a specific electrical company. Thank you. We appreciate it. Please help us out. Um, we're hoping the end of July, first part of August, will be powered up, we'll call it, air quotes. Um, and then we can we can strike the match, and that's totally not true. But we'll flip the switch, and then be able to start creating meals. And then the thought is another: we got to work out the bugs and things while that's happening. Work out the curriculum for our culinary institute, and so I may be tapping and saying, "Hey, you want to get involved at some point and, and come see our stuff?" And you know, absolutely, absolutely. Learning from an organization that has gone through that large of a renovation, we purchased our building in like the late 90s. And so the largest part of a renovation in this building was in the late 90s. So and we've added on and and swapped things out between, between then and now. And so we're always looking for, but to get to see firsthand, uh, we are doubling the amount of space that we, that we have in Oakland um, in terms of it's a, it's a, it's a rented space, but we've kind of taken over the space next door and we've, we're renovating so that we can have a larger grocery center, a larger distribution center and kind of more client space for for uh, registered dietitians and client services folks. So we're we're expanding in, in some ways. Again, the East Bay is, is really, there's so much need out there and that there's um, the, there a, maybe a tiny bit less organized in terms of the way that things are, are uh, the, that the kind of government funding and things like that work out there. So the need is really great. And so we're really trying to figure out ways in which we can get things to people um, and rather than always expecting people to be able to come to us because someone on the other side of Concord coming all, all the way into uh, Oakland to pick up their groceries and or meals, especially if they're not well, is just a, it's a lift. Um, and one thing that definitely happened during the pandemic was that people got very used to deliveries coming to them, even if they, they've never uh, kind of ex had that experience before. That was very much for tech workers to have things delivered to themselves. Their, their toilet paper and their tuna fish was, was uh, delivered to them. But these days, that's the way that people live now. That's the way that, that the world kind of works. And so, and kind of giving them that through the pandemic and then trying to figure out a way of taking it away from them so that they have, so that the burden's on them again to come into the, to our organizations as centrally as we, as we try and make them and as easy that we try and make for people to do that. It's a, it's a lift. And it's a and it's a shift in terms of how the world works now. So we're trying to keep up with the times and, and understand. I'm sure that you've you've got the you've got some of those same challenges. I'm sure. Totally, totally, totally. And and it's a, a very good point. I think as we all have learned, I think I can speak for myself. We've changed because of what we've experienced, and and I think that there's there's a period of time that's necessary to acknowledge. Let's just acknowledge the pandemic still isn't over. 
we've just become, uh, we, we're experiencing it differently, right? And so to acknowledge and bring voice to the fact that we just walked through one of the most scary experiences in my generation, um, that I think the acknowledgement and the conversations that come moving forward, and, and we could make this another call. Like, Indeed. this could be. <laughs> Indeed. So I, Indeed. I, I, I do want to want to ask if, if there's anything that you'd like to share with your listeners or or anything that you'd like to uh, you know continue the conversation um, in the interest and respect to your time. Is there anything that you want to leave us with and leave our listeners with? Well, like you say, there's all there's this. We've only uh, gotten to the tip of of what is possible in this in this work. And if people want to learn more about Project Open Hand, we definitely we have a website, of course, that is hope at openhand.org, openhand.org. Uh, all of the ways in which you can get in touch with us, that you can uh, come to events, that you can give online, that you can sign up for volunteer shifts, that you can gain more information about how to become a client or how someone that you know might be able to become a client, um, contact information for coming into both of our centers in San Francisco and in Oakland. Uh, that's the probably the easiest and fastest way, uh, resource, of course, to uh, to get in touch with us. Again, that's openhand.org. And uh, we actually have uh, a couple of, of really exciting things that are happening very soon are that are more of our senior centers where we serve hot lunches to seniors around the around San Francisco are opening back up post pandemic. So again, oh. a little bit of uh, progress happening where we're actually able to uh, the the organ the the senior centers that uh, have contracted us to do their food um, they're opening back up and so people can come in and get hot lunches again instead of having to take everything frozen home with them anymore. So that's exciting. There's 11 sites around the city and there's uh, eight of them now uh, and another one next month are opening back up to hot meals. So we're really excited to uh, for seniors to get to spend some time outside of their homes again. Hopefully people do have the confidence that they can that they can kind of get out of their homes now and, and get back out to socializing a little bit, which is again, uh, like so much of kind of what eating together is it's a it's not just nourishment for the body it is nourishment for the soul and for the heart and so it's nice to be able to get those uh, folks back out into the community and then uh, the last thing that I'll say is that our our um, founder Ruth Brinker that we started out this conversation uh, talking about there's actually a documentary on the in, on on how uh, she started Project Open Hand in the 80s. There's a uh, short documentary uh, called The Ruth Brinker Story, and um, we're so excited that it's been uh, it's a fantastic documentary. It's now making its way through a bunch of film festivals, international and both uh, in the U.S. and international. We were in the uh, Tel Aviv LGBT uh, documentary series, uh, documentary um, 
festival. Uh, we opened at the Castro. We're uh, this weekend. There's a showing in Sebastopol, um, in Palm Springs at uh, the first weekend of April. So we're in. We've been accepted into all of these great uh, documentary film festivals, and uh, so it's another way that you can uh, take a look at our website. There's all the information there. Um, I think also ruthbrinker.com is uh, that's R-U-T-H-B-R-I-N-K-E-R.com has uh, information specifically about the Ruth Brinker documentary and how you can find a festival close to you and get to go and see it. So again, something else that we're super proud of and and uh, and really excited about. Well, don't forget the little people, please. <laughs> indeed indeed i was i was not i was not executive producer on this so i am a little person in this oh that is so awesome well, Lauren. all right well thank you jonathan so much for being here today and um i i can definitely say i feel very inspired and i know david probably does as well so. <laughs> yeah i'm like so, here enough like likewise Likewise, yeah. it's been so it's been fun to get to talk with you both and to be inspired by others doing the work. So thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much for listening today. We once again want to thank our sponsor, Cal EPA, for supporting this podcast. And for more information about Loaves and Fishes Family Kitchen, you can visit our website at loavesfishes.org. And for more information about our featured guest today, please check the bio of this episode.